Chapter Nine of Remodeled Farmhouses by Mary H. Northend. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Chapter Nine, The Robert Spencer House. The prospective house owner generally has little or no idea of how to go about designing his own home. If he chances to see some other house that strikes his fancy, he realizes that it approaches, at least in part, what he has in mind. How to accomplish his desire, however, he has no definite knowledge. He hesitates to call in an architect who is a stranger to him and knows nothing of his needs and habits and preferences. He fears that an attempt to combine his own ideas with those of the architect will result unsatisfactorily to both of them. To such a man as this, the remodeled farmhouse comes as a boon. From the old house he is able to determine what type his home will be. No matter how battered and worn it is to start with, he can get some impression of the possible room space and arrangement by studying other old interiors and their relation to each other. That is one of the reasons why the movement sweeping through the country today has become so extensive. It gives a substantial foundation upon which to develop an artistic home under one's own supervision. When a man purchases a weather-beaten farmhouse, it is evident that he is up against a real problem in remodeling, and the task demands plenty of time and a wide-awake, ingenious brain. If he consults his friends and neighbors across the way, doubtless their opinions differ so materially from his own that the result is worse than if he had solved the questions in his own way. We all have ideals but it is not always easy to express them. They need to be developed in order to be made practical and require thought and diligent research if they are to be concretely embodied in the altered home. Paper and pencil are good friends at this stage of the game, and even a rough sketch drawn carelessly on the back of an old envelope as an idea occurs, gives subject matter for larger schemes and more realistic results. Few people who are planning to spend the summer months in a new house realize how much their comfort depends upon light and space. It would be foolish for you to buy an old farmhouse and make the rooms small and cramped in size. You would lose a great part of the advantage of coming to the country to live, the pleasure of being as nearly out of doors as possible. Most of the old houses were cut up into small rooms for 
owing to the limited heating facilities in olden days, large rooms would have been freezing in winter. Accordingly, one or two bedrooms were invariably crowded into the first floor to receive the warmth from the kitchen. But it is almost always possible to tear out the partitions between some of the rooms and make them into one large apartment which can be used for living purposes. This can usually be done without weakening the structure. The floor above will be found to rest upon a great beam, or a new girder can be put across. If the stud is low, do not change it or you will spoil the whole atmosphere of the place. A low stud and large rooms are good developments, so try to achieve them when you are making over the house. Have plenty of windows. In the old days, many windows meant a cold house in the winter, but if the farmhouse is to be used only as a summer home, the cooler the better. If for a winter residence also, modern systems of heating will counteract the difficulty. Windows of the long French type are especially desirable. They are more adapted to the requirements of country life as they admit abundant light and air and are entirely in keeping with the style of the farmhouse. The house should represent a unit. The porch should be planned so that it leads into the living room, and by throwing open the windows will seem to become part of a large airy room. The dining room should either be part of the living room or open conveniently near. The service quarters must immediately adjoin the dining room. If there is other space on the floor which cannot be used to increase the comfort of the two main rooms, well and good. It may then be devoted to whatever purpose you desire. But when the removal of partitions will make a place more pleasant to live in, it is always wise to make such a change. We know that there are few of these old houses that have not been cut up and divided, but the conditions which made that necessary in the earlier days have been changed, and for a simple country house, one large living and dining room is far better than divisions which shut out light and air. Many people look at these propositions from a limited viewpoint and do not stop to consider the complete idea. We all learn from houses that we visit what is right and what is wrong to do. If we look deeper into the subject and go farther afield, we find it pays to carefully develop the plan before commencing to rebuild. The requirements of elaborate modes of life, liveried servants, and much entertaining demand, of course, many apartments. Reception room and drawing room, library and den seem 
essential in the house plan, but for those who come to the country to simplify existence, these are not needed. In remodeling your house, let three things be uppermost in your mind, convenience, comfort, and light. If you follow these, you will not go far astray. Even a very small house need not be devoid of these qualities. It may be very tiny and yet most attractive and complete in every detail. With careful thought and a broad conception of the whole, it is quite possible to make a place where it is a pleasure to visit and where even the casual guest realizes the application of small and interesting details in making a harmonious whole. Do not let your mind wander from the fact that the interior is of as much importance and even more than the exterior, for it is there that we live much of the time during the season, and it should therefore be harmonious and in good taste. The development of one room for common family use and the elimination of the shut-up parlor for company have brought about an atmosphere of simplicity that goes to make a perfect and livable house. This one-room idea has been charmingly carried out in a small house that has been remodeled for a summer home by Mr. Robert Spencer of New York and South Yarmouth. It is most attractively situated, standing far back from the road, with a background of pine trees that give a picturesque touch to the little cottage. Originally it stood on the opposite side of the bay, on the shores of Cape Cod at South Dennis, Massachusetts. Its possibilities seemed to the present owner worth developing, and he had it flecked and brought over the water to its present site. This was not a hard task to accomplish, as the timbers were staunch and in a good state of preservation. It was a typical fisherman's cottage, with a wide gable roof sloping down to the first story, and four small rooms about a central chimney. To meet the needs of the new owner, it required considerable enlargement. A two-story building was added at the rear and side, meeting the main house only along the corner. Little attempt was made to have the two harmonize, for not only are the roof lines of widely different types, but the frame of one is of white clapboarding and of the other weathered shingle. At the angle where they join, the roof of the old building has been raised to accommodate the higher stud in the new, thus making a break in it near the ridge. Two dormers have been cut in the main roof to give extra room in the second floor. These are flat-roofed and well-spaced, with two windows occupying 
the entire front of each a porch has been added across the whole front of the house and half of it is roofed over this breaks with the slope of the main roof but follows that of the dormers a detail which adds much to the appearance of the exterior is the simple square-posted fence that surrounds the porch and encloses a quaint little garden in the square formed by the angle of the two buildings this same detail has been adopted at the side of the porch roof in an effective way this fence and the clapboards and trim of the house are white and the shutters and shingles are green the front door opens immediately into the living and dining room which occupies the whole right side of the house and opens at the rear onto a grassy terrace a triple window has been cut along the side to allow ample light and air small panes are used in these windows and the french doors have glass of corresponding size the feature of this room is the fine old fireplace at the center of the inside wall it is very simple with slight attempt at ornamentation but the proportions are good and the lines rather unusual over the fireplace is an old cupboard that used to be called a nightcap closet from the hospitable bottle which was kept there to be passed around among the men just before retiring at the left is a cupboard with upper and lower doors in the panels of the former panes of glass have been inserted this end of the room has been treated as the living room and the opposite end as the dining room the woodwork is all white and the roughly finished plaster is tinted a deep cream straight stairs lead to the second story along the wall at the dining end of the room here about the walls a wide molding has been carried over doors and windows which serves as a plate rail for numerous interesting old family plates and jugs beneath it in several places shelves have been bracketed to the wall to hold other pieces of china the glass door at the end opens on to the terrace and the panelled door beside it communicates with the kitchen and servants quarters in the addition the furnishings in this room admirably accord with the building in both age and simplicity the older furniture has been supplemented with modern pieces of straightest and most unpretentious line and character clocks mirrors pictures andirons and fire set are family heirlooms the coverings on the floor are large and plain rag carpets at the windows are simple muslin curtains with overhangings of colonial chintz in soft colors harmonizing with 
the cheerful and sunny atmosphere of the room at the left of this room occupying the other side of the house are two bedrooms one of them is the children's own room and has been furnished very attractively fresh white tables and chairs harmonize with the older mahogany pieces and lend an air of distinctive charm to the apartment the space upstairs is divided into large and small rooms under the eaves the slope of the roof allows room for many built-in drawers and closets and every inch has been utilized the white paint and the simple white furniture arranged with a care and precision that is worthy of emulation contribute to make the effect of these rooms light and airy and inviting the japanese crepe or gay cretonne curtains at the windows add just the necessary touch of color the lighting fixtures in the house demand especial notice as it is so difficult a matter to attain a distinction in them when a house has not been wired but must depend upon older methods of illumination than electricity or gas a number of simple candle brackets attaching to the wall have been purchased and these are placed symmetrically in pairs balancing each other on either side of a fireplace or mirror or window the candlesticks for shelf or table have been arranged with equal precision and some are given all the more importance by attractive handmade shades an occasional simple square candle lantern hangs from the ceiling to contribute to the effect the table and reading lamps have been chosen with equal success end of chapter 9